Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Stu Simpson Show podcast. And today we've got somebody very special I'm going to be doing for the first time ever. I'm talking to somebody who I've actually not met before. This is an incredible, lovely man who, who we met via Twitter, of all places in the world. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to David Berger. He is an author of mythic fantasy novels, Task Force Gaia. Hello, David. How are you today? I'm fine, Stu. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit overdressed for the summer, but um, today is uh, a little bit a little bit muggy, so that's okay. But I thought I should present myself well, even though this is only an audible um, podcast. <laughs> but for you, I thought I'd make an effort. So. It's a lovely tie. I like it. Thank you. Um, so for the, for the first question, a little, just tell us a little bit about who you are. As you're like the first ever guest that I've never met in real life before, I'm very excited about this. And to all my listeners, they won't have any idea who you are. So what are your pronouns and what do you do and where are you from? My pronouns are he, him, his. I currently live in Lando Lakes, Florida, which is just north of Tampa on the west coast of Florida. And I am by trade, I am a high school English teacher. But uh, on the side, I have written a number of novels, fantasy novels specifically. Oh, but, but a small one. I've actually got a friend called James who lives in Orlando, Florida, who's also a teacher. Oh, okay. Orlando is about an hour and a half for me. Oh, cool. Cool. Well, if I ever manage to get across, then I'll, I'll come and say hello. <laughs> oh, you do. Please do. Um, so, yeah, tell us more about your books. How would you get the ideas for the stories? How does that happen? Well, the first book came about as a short story when I was in high school, back in the mid 80s. And um, I didn't know I wanted it to be a novel at that point. I just liked the idea of the story. And I was very enamored at the time of Star Trek and Greek mythology. So I tried to do an outer space mythology type story back then, just thinking I was being very clever. Um, and it was only about four or five pages at the time. But then over the years, I decided to go back to it and revisit it. And then I figured somewhere around 2010, I started working more heavily on getting it done. And then my mom, of all people, said, are you ever going to get this published? Wow. And I thought, I never thought about that. I was just doing it for me. So, yeah, a friend of mine told me about self-publishing and introduced me to how to do it. And I thought, well, why not? I have a full-time job. I don't think I'm going to quit my job and be a full-time writer. <laughs> so I started. and. That first took me about 25 years to get the first book from, from start to finish. That's a bit of a relief because I've, I've written a book myself and it's taken 10 years to get to the point where the story's now finished. Now I have to do the edit editing. So can you tell me about your editing process? What does, how do you edit your book books? Well, I don't. I used to edit as I wrote the book, but that was a bad thing because I would write three chapters and then go back and reread them. And that was just I would never get anywhere. So I would now wait until the book was finished, and then I would let it sit for a little while to let my brain sort of forget things. And then maybe a few months later, I would go back to it and pull it up again. And then thankfully, my brain would notice, oh, there are some things we need to fix, whether it's story related, setup related, or even English. I mean, I teach English for a living, but I would never say, suggest to someone who's an English teacher to edit his or her own work. You need professional people for that who, who have no bias on anything. So after I've gone through that, I then give it to um, what I call beta readers. So the people who know the story and they look for plot elements that don't work or 
ideas that need to be fleshed out more or stuff that just doesn't need to be in the book that maybe is stuff I wrote that was for me. And they say, no, 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 that chapter was not good enough or, or not important for this for the reader. That was more of like you're internalizing. So we'll take that out. And that's when I get emotional because it's like, but I wrote that. That's my words. But and then after we're done butchering the manuscript, um, I give it one more pass to see what they've done. And then I pass it off to people who are professional editors, copy editors who look for the grammar, the spelling and all of that. Wow, that sounds like quite a it's a long process, is it not? Yeah, it takes from the moment the book is finished, it takes about four to six months. Mm. And when you're writing, is it, do you do like George R. R. Martin is like seat of the pants thing? Or do you have your arch and you know where you're going? Or do you just kind of go, I just want to see where my, my imagination takes me? It depends. On the first book, I think I did a lot of planning. I had lots of pads of paper everywhere and large sheets on the walls and mapping things out. But as the books progressed, there were moments where I just wrote from the seat of my pants for a while and let that flow and see how it went. And then I would go back and revisit it. So a mixture of both, I guess. It just depends on the mood. I mean, writing mm -hmm. is not an exact science. So sometimes, like the book, the book I just finished writing, which is the fourth one in the series, I had planned out quite a bit. So I knew, I knew what points I wanted to hit. And then the fifth book, which is the final one, I already have plans for. So I do a fair bit of planning and research. Do the, titles, do the titles for the books come before or after the story is finished? Or how does that work? It really, it depends. Um, the, the title of the first novel changed a few times because I did. I just over the I, the story changed. I I lost in the first book. I lost the whole Star Trek outer space element. It all it all takes place on Earth. So hmm. some of the elements of the story changed and the title changed. Um, the first two books technically were supposed to be one book. That was the plan. Mm -hmm. But as I was writing it, the first book got to be too long as in, to have another book of the same length tacked onto it. So I had to make the second book a separate one. So that one was easier to work with. I already had the ideas for the title and all of that. The third one, I think I came up with the title about halfway through. Just sort of whimsically, the words came together for me. And then the fourth one, I don't know. I think it came out of some of the research I was doing. I just stumbled upon some phrases and I went, oh, that sounds right. But then nothing's permanent until you hit publish. Yeah. So until the very end, it could change. So what are the titles of the books? What have we got so far? The first book is called Finding Balance, which really sets up a lot of the, obviously, the subsequent stories because things get revisited in the later books, too. The second book is called Memory's Curse. The third is The Liar's Prophecy. And the fourth one that I just finished is called The Archer's Paradox. That was the name of my first ever rock band, Paradox. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, small world again. Um, so do you, how, do you have an agent for what you do? Or do you just do the whole every, everything yourself? The whole self-publishing, self- it's all myself. I have to do all the reaching out to the to the copy editing and find the beta readers. Um, if, I mean, I have people who do it, but I had to reach out to do all of that. The cover artist, I had to find myself. I don't do the art myself. Um, I had to do all of it. I had to buy the ISBN numbers for the books from a company so that I could attach them to all of that. So everything is done by me. I When we weren't doing the pandemic, 
if I was going to um, like the big comic book conventions where I would sit down in a vendor at a vendor's table and sell books oh, and wow. talk to people and get them interested in, you know, find out what they like to read and then talk about my books. Um, so yeah, everything is me. I don't have an agent. Um, I don't know. I think the self-publishing works for me because I get to control every facet of what I do. Mm. And I did just, I just didn't want to have to deal with somebody else telling me a time frame when I have to have a revision turned in by or things like that. So, mm-hmm. and so how are your influences? Um, if so, if you were trying to describe your books to somebody who's not come across them before, um, what, who, what are your books like? Who is it that Lord of the Rings or? Um, well, the books that, that, that are closely aligned and people told me this later on, the, the Percy Jackson series by Rick oh, Reardon. Yeah. Um, his heroes are teenagers but they're all sort of, they're all related to or tied to the Greek gods and they have their own adventures, but it's very much a young adult um, setting. My characters are older, late twenties, early thirties, also connected to the gods, but they are more, they're adults. So their issues are not the same things as teenagers would be. So that's probably, that's not what I, how I modeled it because those books, Rick Reardon's books came out you know, after I'd already started mine, but that's the closest connection I could talk to as a team of people who are tied to a mythology, who, who fight and go out. I don't think the Percy Jackson books are the same, but my team is connected to the United Nations. They're all task forces that are assigned. The one that mine are involved in, um, every task force is with a Greek letter. Mine is with Gaia because their job is to use their power powers to save the world from magical or mystical threats that pop up from time to time. So, so that, that idea is the closest connection. As far as influences, I mean, Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite authors of all time. Um, and I don't know, uh, Piers Anthony was yeah. another writer who I haven't, I mean, he's not written for a while, but his books were a huge influence. Um, David Eddings, I'm trying to think. Even Isaac Asimov, even though my books aren't science fiction, a lot of those science fiction and fantasy authors became influences to me. Just that was as a kid, we didn't have the internet. So all we did, didn't read. So it was easy to just go to the library, pull out all the fantasy books or science fiction books I wanted. And a lot of those, plus Saturday morning cartoons as a kid were an influence to me as well. The superhero genre of work, which is- What did you like? Um. The Super Friends cartoon was a big one. Super Friends? Yeah, it had Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, um, a lot of the, the what are called the Justice League heroes. Oh, of course, yeah. It was, a, it was a very silly, um, aimed at the, child, the child age of, you know, it's not like the later Justice League cartoon that came out back in the, I think, in the early 2000s. But that tied me into the comic books that I was reading. And then all sorts of other just heroic I'm trying to think of some of the early ones, but there were all sorts of ones that just had that heroic or outer space or magical feel to it. Mm. Like Lord of the Rings was another influence. Yeah. That, the scope of the storytelling. Um, Tolkien is magical that way. Um, and, but yeah, a lot of that. There's a slight, um, well, it's talked about in many circles, no pun intended, and Lord of the Rings, that there's a slight sort of gay edge to the Hobbits. There's a sort of slightly queer um, LGBT kind of perhaps. Is there any, any of that going on in your books? Actually, there is. The um, 
in the first draft of the story back way back in the high school years, I hadn't even come out of the closet yet. So that wasn't even an issue. I was just too afraid to even be myself, let alone write a story about it. But I wanted the main character to be gay. So the main, the main character, Dan, is gay. But it's not, in my world, the world of the books, homophobia and racism and those issues are not, because it's not a realistic world, it's a fantasy story, those issues don't pop up. So Dan being a gay man isn't isn't one of his one of his concerns or one of his crises he has to work through. That's just the way the world is, and people just accept that for what it is. Um, and in subsequent books, he gets a, a relationship, and that that um, who he then marries. So the two of them become a bigger part of the story. It's not centered around just them, but yeah, I wanted there to be some sort of LGBT heroic figure because I didn't have that mm. growing up. Although, like you said, the Lord of the Rings has that homoerotic feel that we look at Samwise Ganji and Frodo and think, yeah, there's that edge that people will say, no, 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 that's not true. But OK, they have a very tight relationship yeah, that yeah. some could construe that way. But I wanted mine to be a little bit more obvious. So there's no sexual things in the book, but the idea of who's who's attracted to whom and relationship stuff comes up throughout the books just because that's the way the world is too oh i so want to read your books now absolutely it's <laughs> totally it's it's really doing it for me because actually there's some similarities in, in my book about having jemima and the black unicorn so there's there's a couple of little things here and there but it's uh, i did exactly the same thing in the sense that i want because i didn't have the same i didn't have any heroes to look up to from the lgbt community at all so having it in a story is really important and, and you've Beaten me to it, but well done. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to read it. Um, and uh, do you have any spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs at all? Um, I was brought up Jewish, and I've I've gone up and down with that over the years as far as how observant I've been. And there was a time, well, over the past twenty years, where I became more observant. I I had basically I had a very bad relationship that ended poorly. And I needed a little more direction in my life. So I chose to pursue a little more observant Judaism where I kept my head covered for a while and I decided to change, the, um, to keep kosher, the dietary laws. I wanted to be more strict. I wanted to be stricter about that. It just felt like I needed more um, structure in my life. But then over the years, I've become a little more spiritual and less into, I mean, it's not, I didn't stop being who I am as a Jewish person, but I just, I don't know. I'm, it's just not as intense as it used to be when I was younger. Um, I also appreciate writing fantasy novels. I appreciate mystical things. I've researched paganism and Wicca. Not that I, I ascribe to those beliefs, but I appreciate the natural world and the magic. And I've written, I started writing a trilogy that's based in Celtic mythology too. So I had to do a lot of research in the Celtic pantheon and figure out those gods. And so I, while I don't ascribe to that and worship, I do think, wow, those are very interesting and um, relatable kinds of situations. So, but yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, I'm Jewish. And uh, and no, 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 I, I'm I'm on a similar path because uh, I was brought up Catholic, and uh, but I'm also very spiritual. I meditate twice a day. I take stuff from transcendental meditation, uh, which is that goes back to Vedic traditions. And so we're in a in a space in the world now where we can pick and choose the things which work for us. And I think if we're doing 
the best we can then that's the that's, that's within that, that's a really good thing so mm-hmm. but i'm recently i'm recently i'm getting i'm very interested in judaism at the moment um because mm-hmm. i'm watching Stitzel on um on netflix i don't know if you've heard of Stitzel. it's mm-hmm. it's great it's a really really good drama but just a, a jewish a, an orthodox jewish family in jerusalem oh, okay. and it's three series and it's just really light but very interesting he's what the, the main character is an artist um it doesn't really get much deeper than that, <laughs> but it's really, really the interplay is beautiful. So I'm learning about a culture that I didn't know much about. Um, mm-hmm. So and yeah, listening to some music from a band called Eighth Day at the moment. I don't know if you've heard of them. Mm, I have not. No, it's um. So yeah, I'm just so I'm like yourself. I'm interested in like theological things and spiritual things. So um, sounds like we've got an awful lot in common. So and I've also noticed behind you, um, <laughs> you have a shrine to to a rather Wonderful woman. <laughs> Can you tell us more about your shrine and who your um who she is? Sure. Um, the, the my home office is a memorabilia room slash shrine to Wonder Woman, who, from a very young age, starting with the Super Friends cartoon and then also with the comic books, something I, I've always been drawn to strong female characters. Maybe because I have a strong mother figure in my life, I always appreciated the strength that women have. And I mean, I love Superman and all the other heroes too, but there was something about her, the compassion, the love, the the strength, but yet not necessarily the need to beat somebody up just for the sake of doing so kind of mentality. I've always been fascinated. Plus the, the mythological side of her, the Greek mythology origins to her fascinated me too, because I would love that. So over the years though, I've just, I became interested in the comics, read the all the comics. Um, the TV show was a huge influence as a child because you know you see you see what you think is your childhood hero in live action on television, although we know it's not real, but to a child it seems real. Mm. And it's something where you know my mother didn't understand it at first. She's like, "Why do you like her so much?" And I just said, "She's a strong person. I like her." And I guess she didn't understand that. Her influence on me, I mean, she was my, I guess, my first Wonder Woman, but her influence as being a strong figure made me appreciate that more in others. And so I was less likely to be more focused on the male heroes. I think it was a good thing. Um, and then I started collecting things over the years from, from um, glossy photographs many years ago of, of Linda Carter's character to books and um, statues and pictures and I became friends with a lot of artists who then I would purchase when I would go to those comic book conventions I would purchase their artwork um, I've actually been drawn in two different Wonder Woman comics wow. as, a, as, a, as a background character um, the same artist but two different time periods so so I have a little claim to fame and then I've been drawn into some books um, what else that's amazing yeah, and then it wasn't a couple of years ago. I I'm a shy person by 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 nature. I mean, I'm an introvert. So, but I decided I wanted to dabble in cosplay. I thought it was an interesting thing, and I figured the only character who I knew of that I could try with would be her. But I wasn't going to dress up like her. I wanted to do a gender swap origin, like a version of that. Yeah. So I came up with just a simple version of that and put some things together. And I debuted that at a convention that a friend of mine had put together. It was a big one in Atlantic City, but it was a, it was a life changing experience because 
wearing that outfit, even my friend who had invited me, he said, I saw you walking around and you were standing taller. You looked more confident. You looked like you had this superhero vibe about you when you were wearing everything. And so I have, I have an, I've worn it a handful of times, but, you know, at different conventions, but it was stuff like that that helped me to, I guess, going back to the spiritual things, in ways that I, it's hard to explain, her character is a, almost a spiritual influence to me with the things that her, that, she, that her character is based on, the love, the openness, the appreciation of, of individuals. And so everything just evolved from that. And um, so, yeah. And then when the movie started coming out, that was a big deal because that was a first. So there's also more memorabilia here for that. And um, yeah, it's just... It's a small part of my world in the house. I don't really have any, I have one little, I have one statue in my front hallway. It's like three feet tall, but that's it. Everything's in this room. This is my sanctuary. This is yeah. the, the place where all the writing happens. This is the creative space. I think those values come through on your Twitter account because you're the first person that I, that I don't actually know who I've reached out to, that uh, I thought, you just say some really nice and empowering and open things on your Twitter. And um, and I don't use Twitter very often. I, I, I kind of come check in now and again. Mm -hmm. But when you've said stuff, I'm just like, he comes across as such a genuinely lovely, caring and, and very nice person and a very talented man. Um, so do any of those char the characteristics from Wonder Woman that, that you manage to come sometimes empower, does it, does it come through in your books at all? Oh, absolutely. There's definitely a lot of influence, either specifically to, to her character, aspects of her or her costume that are sort of referenced, you know, in, in an abstract way. Um, but yeah, and the characters themselves have very similar traits to, I mean, there's elements of me a little bit in there too. The main character is a college professor. He's, you know, he teaches, I like to teach. So there's, but her character does definitely factor in. I wanted that to be, um, like, how do I put it? Like, a, a, it's something to show, here's everything about, if you wanna know who I am as a person, it's basically in my books, what I appreciate, what I respect, what I love, whether it's friendship, family, Wonder Woman, um, mythology, um, language, because I mean, my, my books tend to be a little more elevated in the vocabulary. So I wouldn't think like a 12 year old is going to sit and read it as easily as maybe a high school student or older might find it more enjoyable. Um, but yeah, um, she, it's funny. I told my mother this the other day. I said, I, she asked me about some things and we were talking about some new stuff in the, in the room. And I said, I hate to say this, but I think about Wonder Woman almost every day more than I do about my family. And she said, really? I said, well, I'm surrounded by her all the time. And it's one of those things, it's it's weird, but there's not a day goes by that she's not part of my thoughts yeah. or something. Not that I don't love and appreciate my family. Of course I do. But it's just, it's one of those things, kind of like when people are religious, they hold on to whether you, you believe in God or Jesus or Allah or whoever you believe in. I don't worship her, Diana, but she's just, I don't know, it's a grounding thing for me it keeps me safe in my in my mind and i have a group of friends who are very similar and we can talk about it and it's helped us to become better people yeah that sounds i don't know how that sounds but yeah no, that sounds it's it's very relatable 
I mean, I was obsessed with the Chronicles of Narnia growing up, C.S. Lewis. So, it, and the characters of, of those people kind of influenced my life. And it wasn't only until I was in my twenties when I found out the Chronicles of Narnia are based on on the on the Bible. Yeah, I, had, I didn't have a clue. Not and this is like all of a sudden just had that. Oh my God! For a moment, like literally, oh my God, <laughs> for a long time. So it was it was very odd. And you 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 might be pleased. I was on the set of I've done a few heard of the Nevers. Yes, yes, I've watched it. I've watched it. Um, I was I was doing some extra work about two weeks ago because that's one of my jobs as a as a film extra. So you've been in the background of comic books. I'm in the background of uh, TV shows and film things. Uh, and there was a runner working on the show. Very nice young woman. She's wearing a Wonder Woman necklace. And uh, and so I said, oh, I've got a friend on Twitter who's obsessed with Wonder Woman. And she went, oh, well, I did I did my entire PhD written on Wonder Woman and why she, how she's so important. So I was like, oh my god, I'll have to tell when I, um, when I, if we eventually speak. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I mean, no pun intended, but that's that's really nice to hear. I would love to read that paper. <laughs> see what you have to see. I can't remember any of it. If, if I see her again, I, hopefully I get booked because I need more work. <laughs> <laughs> and so if for anybody who um, wants to read your wonderful books i think i'm one of them where can we where can we order those books from please the books are available on amazon and i believe they are available through amazon um, the uk site as well so there's different amazon sites all over the world so they're easily found um, searching for task force gaia and my name david berger b-e-r-g-e-r you can find them um, there's also now audiobooks as well well so it's it's paperback or audio because i self-publish i don't publish hardcover books um so those that's where they're available right now and i want to say i think they're still available on on barnes and noble's nook reader i don't know if the nook i mean i know the kindle is more popular yeah that. but yeah most people go to amazon to find it and can they find it can they order on your website not through my website, but through Amazon. Okay. So if they went to davidbergerbooks.com, there's a place where you can go to the, because I, I do about all of my types of writing, not just this particular novel series. So on the page for the novel series, there's a link to go to um, for every book. And as soon as the fourth book is out, um, hopefully by the end of the year, then um, that'll be updated. But yeah, that's the easiest place to find yeah. it is Amazon. So there's other books. There's more than your novels. What else have you written? Um, I've contributed short stories to different anthologies that people have asked me to participate in. So I've written some horror stories. I have written um, other LGBTQ non-fantasy related stories that actually I'm going to take some of the ideas from those two stories I wrote because they involve the same characters. And Kindle has a new program called Vela where you can publish a story up to 5,000 words, like a serial story. So every two weeks you can add another part to your story. Kind oh, of like they used to do with like Reader's Digest magazine yeah. where they people would publish a chapter at a time. So I'm gonna do that on those stories because I wanted to do something with them, but I didn't wanna to have to go through the whole book part. This way I can do it virtually through Kindle and I can just upload a story and people can upvote what they like and they can favorite things and so that's it's more of a regular standard romance contemporary romance between two men who meet unexpectedly and ultimately you know fall in love mm. um, but it's more of an everyday story it's there's no magic there's no 
fantasy parts yeah. to that. So has it got more of an almost a Morpen type of Tales of the City thing going on? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's, if you want to look at that, yeah, it's, it's not, I mean, it's, they're both gay characters, so, but there's, yeah, I could see them, I could see a Tales of the City feel to it. I mean, the way the stories have, I've only written two, but I have two others in mind. But yeah, I guess you could see that. And having seen them on television, I'm picturing that that kind of vibe would come through, yeah. I suppose. Um, I like, I love the original TV series, but the, actually, that was a big pivotal bit of um, fiction for me when it comes to sort of being a gay man, because um, mm-hmm. it, it, it made me actually had to watch it in secret at night. Um, so when my parents went to bed, to turn the TV on very and got very close to the television. So, <laughs> but then I read, yeah, read the books. I hadn't read the books, um, and I knew of the TV series from people. And it wasn't until I'm a bad person. It wasn't until the new the newer series came out that I even watched the original. I, I mean, I knew of it. I just didn't know how to find it and. I didn't know if I'd like it or not. So I watched the second, the newer one. Mm. And I thought, oh, okay. And I must have I must have seen something about it years ago because it looked really familiar. Or maybe I saw a commercial or something. So I went back and I watched the original one, which I really loved as well. Yeah. The whole vibe, everything was so, I don't know, that that's, it was playful. It was interesting. It was, um, it would have been great for me as a youngster or when it came, first came out. Yeah. Um, to, to have watched it because I would have appreciated the LGBTQ world a little bit differently. Mm. I, I came out like at 27. I was a late, I was a late bloomer. So yeah, I came out at 18 and I even felt late then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've talked to some from, from high school who we were all at the same, at the same age. None of us felt comfortable coming out then back in the eighties. Just, we just, you just didn't do it where we lived in New York. It just wasn't happening. So it, it took a while for me to get the courage together. It was yeah. the same for me in Newcastle. It was just, it felt a little bit, but I, I had to kind of just in my head be like, well, if I'm disowned by my friends and family, then um, I, I just need to do this to, to find out who I am. And luckily most of them were, were okay. So, um, it, but that feels like such a long time ago now and I'm, I'm a very different <laughs> person. So yeah. that's what life does, isn't it? So, well, it's been yeah. uh, absolutely wonderful to meet you and um well, and, yeah. and if you ever just want to chat when not being recorded for a, a podcast then let me know i'd like to kind of just get oh, sure. to know you a little bit better lovely lovely one so great and if people want to get in touch with you just to chat about your books or just to say hello where can they find you um well i'm at mr d burger i am also on instagram um it my handle is inspired gemini um, and I post a lot of I mean, Wonder Woman, but a lot of other things um, as well. Um, I'm on Facebook, but, and I don't know how often or how easy we find it a David Berger. It might be a more common name, but um, my profile picture shows a very Wonder Woman style look on me. So I'm pretty easy to find. Yeah. Um, and then through my website, davidbergerbooks.com, you can send a contact uh, message that way if you have questions or if you want to subscribe to the website and find out when things are coming out um, I have some new artwork um, I hired an Australian artist who is brilliant um, James Hillier and um, he's doing uh, just a standalone piece for me based on the characters of the mm-hmm. book because I love his work his style so much so that kind of stuff will be sent out through the website's um, email system to get to update any subscribers so oh, well. that's the best ways. I've, I've just remembered a question I forgot to ask. 
Who? Because yeah. I, I didn't know that you did um, audio, audio versions of your book. Who do you get to do the voiceover? It's a man named Rob Davis, who's a he's a, a member of the, I guess, the Screen Actors Guild in Los Angeles. I, do, I know he's done voice, a lot of voice work. I don't know if he's done like visual acting, like, like stage acting or, or movies. Um, but he was a friend of mine had mentioned him to me. And the website that you use to record the audiobooks, they have you can audition people. They can read a 15-minute piece and you can decide if you like them or not. Oh wow. And he was recommended. None of the people who wanted to audition, I was just not fond of their style. As soon as Rob sent in his audition, within maybe 10 seconds of hearing him speak, I went, that's it. I'm I don't need to hear anymore. And it was it's a process because I had to transcribe in the manuscript all of the words phonetically like Greek words, things he would not know, I had to write out phonetically throughout the whole novel wow. just to make sure. And then I have to listen to it and look at the words and make sure he's doing that. So it's an it's a process. Hmm. So I got to hear my first books. I haven't I haven't read them in a while. I got yeah. to hear them. And he does he does old women's voices really well. <laughs> um he just does he does different voices for different characters. So yeah, it's cool. it's interesting to to yeah to hear how my character would sound, I suppose, or the other characters would. So yeah, no, he's brilliant. Um, and he, after the first book, he he reached out to me and said, do you want me to do the other books as well? I said, mm. absolutely, if you want to. Um, so I was really happy about that. He really enjoyed reading them and he enjoyed the story. So I was like, okay, well, there's two more books. Yeah. So, Excellent. So yeah. And, so, and is uh, the way you've spelled Gaia is not the the spelling I'm used to, is that an acronym? It Because it comes out of the Greek, um, uh, the Greek words into English sometimes get spelled. I've seen it G-A-I-A yeah. before. So, so I subscribe to a website called Gaia.com, which is G-E-I-A. Mm-hmm. And I also know there's a company, I don't know if it's global, but there's a company, a, a trucking company or something that's called Gaia as well, but it's G-A-I-A. But I don't know. I think when I first came across the name, I came across it with the E. Mm-hmm. So I kept it that way. That's brilliant. Thank you ever so <laughs> thank you ever so much. I'm really, really pleased. And thank you for being on the Stu Simpson show. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Uh, so oh, thank you. It's a pleasure as well. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> Take care, friend. And uh, and uh, shall hopefully speak to you soon. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>